Coming to you live from Rob's living room, it's the Mike and Rob Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Rob. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mike and Rob Podcast, episode number 22. 22. Are you just like always mention what number it is? Repeat it. After I do? I'm, I'm just shocked every time that it's one higher. I don't yeah, know why. Well, that's how we go, is incrementally one by one. <laughs> why don't we just skip some one time? Like Episode forty seven. Forty seven. Yes. <laughs> uh we are coming to you live from Rob's living room. Again. And we're recording a little early because Rob's gonna be going on a little trip. A little, a little trip. trip around the world. Well, little, well, not really. A little but... tiny ways around the world. Yeah. Like a few miles north. Like if you have a globe, it'd probably be like, uh, like a centimeter or two yeah. around the world. Where are you going, Rob? Going to Lake Tahoe. They have a lake now? They do. Actually, there's only been the lake. Oh. There was never just Tahoe. Well, they have beaches. Yeah. Maybe there were just beaches first. No. And there was there's places to ski. Maybe. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so but it's, it's gorgeous up there. So we're, if you've only been during the winter, I recommend going during the summer. Yeah, I've, that's the only real experience I have with Tahoe was going several summer times. Yeah. Summertime Tahoe. Oh yeah, and it's great swimming in the lake too. It's, it's in the shallow parts. It's, yeah, it's actually kind of refreshing because the weather's like you know low eighties every day. Yeah, and then getting a dip in the water. And it's not. And it's it, like it, sixty-eight degrees. It's fresh water, I mean, right? Oh yeah. So you're totally swimming. Fresh. You're not eating it's the a bunch freshest of water. You're not getting a bunch of salt in your mouth. And you're, oh no, no, it's great. Um, like, not a it's not a ton crazy, of fishies. Like, how clear the lake is. How not, good the visibility is. Yeah, and there's not a lot of animals right there on the shore. So you're you're not you know in among jellyfish or yeah <laughs> or anything. Yeah. So it's it, I, it is fun. For, we used to it, swim out except for Tahoe Tessie. Guess I'm unfamiliar with Tessie. You never heard that? No. It's like Lake Tahoe's very own Loch Ness monster. Uh huh. Go on. Uh, that I don't know. That's about all I know. It's not nearly as popular, obviously. So, um, like your previous, but yeah. Apparently, there's there's this there's a creature that lives in Lake Tahoe named Tahoe Tessie. That makes sense because you know there's Nessie, right? So in Lake Ness. Yeah. A Loch Ness. Yeah. It's, you know, same one thing. What do you think Loch means? <laughs> It's German for a body of water. Um, but Tahoe gets pretty deep. It's like over 1,200 oh yeah. feet deep or something. I've gone parasailing and it, all the places I've gone to parasailing in Lake Tahoe. I think I mentioned that before on the podcast and um, about half my life ago. Mm-hmm. And when you're going over it, you just you can see where people are swimming. You can see straight to the bottom and just a little ways deeper. You can't see nothing. Yeah. So looking straight down, you can see the rocks, you can see algae and stuff like that. All the and crashed then, boats. <laughs> no, it's it's mostly just, you know, natural stuff. And then just a, I don't know, ha- not even a half mile out, it's just deep and you can't really see much. Yeah. It's, but it's really cool, parasailing, if you get to do that. It's much better than in, It's much better than in Mexico where they like yank you off the beach. Really? Yeah, they just tie you to a rope and they go, okay, start running. And the rope will like, you know, get taut as the as the boat is going out. So you're running along the beach and then 
hopefully the parachute opens up behind <laughs> you grabs you just yanks you right you, into the you dirt just get, yeah you could get really badly hurt and there's no like insurance companies covering these places in mexico yeah so uh what they did in tahoe is you stand on the this platform on the back of a speedboat yeah and they slowly reel you out the, the uh, yeah. parachutes already up behind you and everything so it, it's a nice slow um ascent and then once you're up there it's noisy because of the way our ears are shaped. <laughs> so if you were wearing, <laughs> if you were wearing like uh, something over your ears, you wouldn't hear much. It's just totally still and quiet, and like you're so far away from the boat that you hardly even hear that. It sounds so distant, huh. and so you you just hear mm, down there. But up in the air, you're just like, oh, this is what flying is like. It's really yeah. cool because you you feel the wind like all around you but it's just so calm and quiet it's eerie but it's awesome yeah so if you get to do that i'd recommend it maybe i doubt maybe i'll get it you know if betsy won't do it then i i probably won't but i bet betsy would do it if you no, guys really just she would at, definitely no? not do it she did it once when she was younger but she's developed a, a very strong fear of heights since then i don't think anyone has a fear of heights i think they have a fear, fear of, of falling not only not even falling hitting the ground at yeah. a high velocity I've got a fear of hitting the ground at a high velocity. <laughs> I've got a fear of extreme pain. <laughs> it's a death. weird, it's a weird phobia, but <laughs> I know you really need to get over that. <laughs> um, so that's why we're recording early. It is now Saturday morning at like 11 a.m. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna put this out when we put it out. Um, so a late movie review. Sure. Okay. On. I went and saw the Ninja Turtles movie. I, I took against, the bullet against my advice. I took the bullet for everyone else out there. Yeah. Um, and this is in case you don't plan on seeing it, which I think most of my listeners are, will not, will see not it. be our listeners will not be seeing it. But apparently half the freaking planet saw the movie yeah, already. It already knocked gardens of the Gal guardians of the galaxy off the top spot after. So it only had one week at the top and then Ninja Turtles took over. Yeah. But my guess is everybody who was going to go see guardians of the galaxy saw it that first week. Like everybody. Probably. And it, then, didn't it break a record? I don't know. Maybe it broke a Marvel record. Maybe. But here's another thing. Sidebar on this is that I think they need to stop counting, um, you know, how well movies do by dollars. It's ridiculous. Just do well, it by tickets I mean, sold. What, isn't that the point? No, tickets sold. I mean, they can, you know, the businesses can count that up. But as far as making records, it should be on how many tickets were sold. Because that's how many people Isn't that actually how they figure out like in today's dollars how much no, money but, Star Wars made when it right. Was out. So they like, so they can they just count tickets and multiply it by. But like, the cost what the has changed. Cost of a ticket is the, the cost has changed. So it's not the exact same as Star Wars in seventy seven versus you know today. Anyway, but my point is stop counting it in dollars. Just say how many tickets were sold. Because when they when you go to a, a baseball game, they don't say, "Well, today's attendance was four billion dollars." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for like 35 fans, no, it'd probably be more like... Uh, 35,000, you mean? I'm sorry, yeah, 35,000 fans. 35 fans would be like yeah, the beginning of... Not much. It'd be like the beginning of Major League. You know, for like an A's game, the average cost of a ticket, we'll just say for easy math, is probably like 20 bucks. So yeah, they'd be like, we wow. made $700,000 today. Right, no, they're they're talking in actual seats with butts in them. Yeah, but I mean, I think... 
putting the movie sales in terms of a dollar amount feels more real to people. Like you can say, you know, the movie sold 12, 1.2 million tickets. I, yeah. But I'm just so saying, are like, I think if it's successful, it's more, it sounds more impressive. If you're like, it made $150 million. People are like, Whoa. Yeah. But we each spent million. like sometimes some people spent this much money to see it because it was a matinee versus, uh, you know, what do they call it at night? A movie. Right. <laughs> Standard fare. Right. And then some people go to the IMAX, some people go to the 3D one. Right. So there's all sorts of ways to calculate how much a ticket cost. Oh, the 3D. It's such a ripoff. I, Three are... more dollars to get those glasses, and then they have you turn them in when you're done. Oh, yeah. Just like, I just paid $3 to rent 10 cents worth of plastic. <laughs> rent it. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, no, so anyway, I went to this movie because, I'll, I'll preface it with this, because I'm a big old school Ninja Turtles fan. Um read the comics, watched the... I first got into the cartoons, then yeah. the movie came out, and then I was just, like, hooked. So I was like, all right, I need to be a ninja. And I was it's I was already... time to be a ninja. <laughs> My calling is clear. What color headband would you have worn? If I were a Ninja Turtle? Well, no, you just, you know, a ninja, Ninja Mike. Well, black. <laughs> a real ninja should be wearing black. Teenage unmutant Ninja Mike. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean... That was the thing is that there was a part in the comics where Raphael decided he was just wearing a completely black suit from head to toe. And I'm like, yeah, he's smart. Like a ninja. He's a ninja. <laughs> yeah. The other ones are like the most, the rest but of why? the world. Why wear a black suit? So you're hidden in the dark? I guess that's a good point. <laughs> it's not to keep warm. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, maybe, I don't know. So I was thinking like protection or something. No, I don't know. It's just to be invisible. Or like hidden identity, but. Well, they they had that problem to begin with because they started off all wearing the same color headbands um, in yeah. the original comics. Well, yeah, then they all wore red at first. Yeah, they were all wearing red, and you could only tell them apart by what weapon they were holding. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I was big into the com the cartoons, and then I got into the movie, and then I started around the age of 10 reading the comics because they had an, a run of Archie comics in the uh, 90s, Archie being the, the publisher. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like Archie Comics have been around forever. Yeah, they they became their own label for a while there. So every time you buy, oh no, that's Bazooka, Bazooka Joe. Joe. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they're all just it's do just a total Archie ripoff. But <laughs> they're all just do gooders with no tr like no um, conflict goals, in their life. aspirations, <laughs> plan they, of anything. The they just was, sort of hang out. It was supposed to be funny, but. We're like, okay, that's cute. We'll, yeah. we'll see that when we get to another Bazooka Joe bubblegum piece, but we don't need yeah. to go seek it out. It's like what it's like reading any comic nowadays where the end's just sort of like, oh, that's very family friendly. It's it's family service. And you know, shows like South Park Rip and, Apart. And well, I mean, South Park, like the league, um, you know, more modern shows yeah. have completely crushed family friendly comedy to the point where it's just like it's I don't like know. reading are a you, Hallmark card. You're just like, are you Ugh. just dismissing that that because you don't watch those kind of shows or sitcoms where it's all super family friendly? I guess anymore? it's. I mean, it's possible, but it just seems more likely. Yeah, I'm sure there's some shows on like ABC Family or something that are still like that that actual families with little kids probably watch. But yeah, and I mean, if you're eight, I mean, I'm sure it's so funny. We have a few uh, parental people out there in our listenership 
that uh, could tell us about that. So let us know. What's your favorite family-friendly, boring-ass TV show? Or or, or comic uh, Sunday, Sunday comic strip. They still... Sunday comic strip. Those are on newspapers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Remember those? I haven't seen one of those for a while. Yeah. I mean, me I neither. see them. I just don't. I ignore their existence. Yeah. Because I have time I have to internet. go digital newspapers. That's coming from Rob Florence, yep. by the way. And that means this advice is at least 10 years too late. <laughs> at least. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just went by myself. I was trying to go see the movie with my cousin with whom uh, we, we kind of enhanced each other's Ninja Turtles fandom when mm-hmm. we were kids. And so uh, I was trying to get together with him, but its schedules just weren't working out. And I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to go see this movie by myself on a, one afternoon when I was free. So I go and see it, and um, I could talk all about all the problems. In fact, I wrote a blog about it. You can check it out. Um, I think it's moviemanmike.blogspot.com. It's yeah. the latest review. Or follow my Movie Man Mike Facebook page. It's on there. Um, and so there's a lot of negatives, and I'll breeze through those really quick. If you don't want to hear this, spoilers, jump ahead maybe five, ten minutes at the most. Yeah. But um, so April O'Neil is played by Megan Fox, and she's freaking horrible. Megan Fox was not good. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, that's, she's not, that I'll was kind this, of a shocker. She's not even that great to look at. I know. She's what ha- not, she really hit? I, I don't know. She I hit mean, a wall. Coming from me, <laughs> doesn't really. This <laughs> doesn't really mean much. But yeah, she hit a wall. She's a hotter chick than you. Well, yeah. <laughs> but she, you know, it was just a bad choice because she's not an actress at all. She's just. No. She's just not. She doesn't. She's a she cut have rate. An April O'Neil feel. No, not at all. She's kind of ditzy and bimboy, and um, in, in in not not even her character in the movie. Her her in real life. Just in she should not be a role model for any young woman. Um, she she uh, she's got like Botox like crazy for some reason. She's like twenty seven, and she looks like she's just loaded yeah. with Botox. I don't know why she felt like she needed to do anything. So right off the bat, she looks plastic. Yeah. And she's supposed to be, you know, living in New York, trying to make her way as a a reporter for Channel 6 News. Well, any intrepid young journalist trying to become, you know, really? Is that your point, Chubbs, about this movie? Mm -hmm. Are you you questioning my my review? (laughs) It sounded like a question. It was a Um, yawn. Oh. So... She would be, uh, you know, maybe borrowing money from her parents and she's living in like a little apartment. She has a roommate. I'm like, there's no way this chick could afford Botox and all this. Stuff. Like, and she's just slathered with makeup. Yeah. It looks, and they could have just gone with somebody with a little bit more of a, ne- a girl next door feel. Totally. There's tons I mean, of actresses. It would have been better. Yeah. Tons. You so, need to get Megan Fox. Was that for the dads? I mean, no. You know what it was is weird. I don't know. I mean, she, just because Michael Bay has a crazy fetish for her or something like that. Yeah, she probably gives him blowies in his trailer for yeah, movie roles. Exactly. And and she goes. I saw some review where she was like, "Oh, I was such a big Ninja Turtles fan when I was a kid, and I just was like, I want to be in this movie <laughs> so bad because like I don't even care if I'm just an extra. I just need to be in this movie. So I went and auditioned. I'm like, you did not audition. I love my favorite was Michael Angle and um, Raphael <laughs> and Leonardo, but but now my favorite's Ravioli. <laughs> Tortellini wasn't my favorite, but he turned into my favorite. <laughs> so, um, 
it, it, I like so that, Donatelli. That's the first problem. Is that oh, and she she goes the first movie Ninja Turtles movie I saw was the second one. <laughs> I'm just like you suck so bad at your job. Quit trying to endear us. So to you. the best thing I could say about Megan Fox is she said all You're her dear lines. yourself to us. There you go. So the best thing I can say about Megan Fox is she said all her lines. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. As far as I know, maybe they just edited around the, the problem parts, but. Um, well, if she was in the movie, then they didn't. Right. So. <laughs> um, oh, I'll have to tell you about an, a Reddit AMA I was involved with the other day. Um, but it's, it's connected to Ninja Turtles. Stay on track here. So there's tons of stuff wrong with it. The, the, the CGI turtles, um, they're just too CGI. They almost look like cartoons. What did you think about, because uh, from what I've seen in the previews, it looks like each one of them has kind of a lot more of their own personality just in terms of a Here's, look. Yeah, they totally do, and that's fine. Um, but the design of them in general was just insane. They're huge. They're bulking. They're hulking monsters. And as far as being ninjas, that's not really conducive. <laughs> yeah. They're more like a bunch of little mini Hulk creatures. Like if the Incredible Hulk was big, they're kind of mini, but they're huge compared to humans. So they tried to like, I don't know, make them have like superhuman strength they and totally all that do. stuff. And like, they I mean, throw they, people around like it's nothing. They could have done that and still kept them like four foot eight. You know, under five foot is kind of what they're supposed to be. I think closer to four feet is what the I read originally when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're kind of like smaller than regular people because they're people, but they're also turtles, which are small. Yeah. So they'd be somewhere in between. It kind of makes sense. Uh, anyway, that's getting really nerdy. But the point is that they were too big. Um, <laughs> Wait, that's getting really nerdy? Yes. So, I thought we had already passed that point. <laughs> well, I'm getting too deep. It's the okay. deep end of nerdy. Oh, okay. So um, anyway... Yeah, let's stay in the kiddie pool the, area yeah. of the nerd pool. <laughs> the 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 design of them was, uh, you know, you're like, oh, they're doing motion capture and there's actual actors on the set. So this should be good. No, they just they completely turned them into um, CGI. They look computer generated completely. Um, the only cool thing was the way they move their mouths and stuff like that. Just kind of it was interesting to watch, but it's kind of pulling your attention away. So it's mm. almost like those things on Conan O'Brien that he used to do where it would be like Arnold Schwar a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger with, <laughs> yeah, with the, the, the mouth, mouth moving molded into it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it kind of looked like that. Um, <laughs> so and and I don't know. So the but I'm going to get to the points that I liked because there's tons of stuff I didn't like about it. But what I liked was the story. Mm -hmm. There were some really good parts to the story and they really changed the origin story, but without making it crazy like there were rumors that they were going to be aliens instead of mutants and stuff like that oh really so, yeah the, and so there's a part in the movie but where turtles yeah how can they be aliens because they could be you know aliens that look like tur our turtles kind of like rocket raccoon is is a raccoon but he doesn't he's never heard of a raccoon he's just an okay. alien so the thing that i and i read a script about that that they were from basically dimension x or something like that and they made it their way over to our world our uh universe like the neutrinos yes exactly they were basically the neutrinos of the new <laughs> the yeah. new version of the turtle anyway um no in this version what they did was a little different um april um was a little kid back in 1999 and 
her all dad the way back then her dad mr o'neill i don't think we heard his name was a a scientist working with eric Sachs, who's played by that guy in the movie what's that guy from you got me no you know him well, I need a better description than that guy. You've seen in him the in the movie. trailers. He's the bad guy in the trailers. He's the bad guy in the trailers? Yeah. I thought Shredder was a bad guy. Right, but you never really see Shredder in the in the trailers. You just see that there's a guy named Shredder and Right. Um, and he has these knives that he like shoots everywhere and somehow magically they so go back basically into his hand. In this movie, uh Shredder is a transformer. Really? He's a robot? No, he's not. But he just looks and acts like one because they go, here, Master Shredder, we got you this new armor and you never see his old armor. (laughs) So it's kind of a moot point. They should have just said, look, we got you armor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, we made some upgrades to your armor. We're like, we never saw what it looked like before. So I guess I guess he assumes that the old armor was the way it used to used to see it in the in the cartoons and movies. But um William Fitchner. I know the name. What's his picture? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're he, talking. He was, he was the blind a, guy in, in uh, Contact. Is that what it was, Contact? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, he was also in The Dark Knight? Yeah, he was in The Dark Knight. He was like the bank manager. In oh, the right, Dark right, right, right. Right in the beginning, opening scene. Yeah. Uh, he was in Armageddon, Black Hawk Down, The Lone Ranger, and most recently. He played the bad guy in Lone Ranger, if anyone saw that. He was in Elysium. Yes, that he was. was. Yeah, he was anyway, the, the head. So I don't know, robot, used, the guy who owned the robot factory. Right. This guy used to um, work with April's dad, and he's like a big New York um, billionaire who's going to save the city through robotics. And okay. like, he's like, if, if anything ever goes wrong, I promise you, we're, our company's going to be there to take care of everything in the city. But meanwhile, he's plotting to basically destroy the city so that they can then swoop in and look like the good guys and make a ton of money off of it. So, uh, okay, that's his plot. Um, and you have no idea where Shredder fits into this, except that there's some weird story they throw in there about he was raised by Oroku Saki when he was a kid in Japan. He grew up in Japan. Wasn't his name Oroku Saki? No, he's not Shredder. Uh, I know he's not. So but... Shredder is Oroku Saki. Right. And, oh, and he Eric was Sachs, by Oroku Saki. Right. Because ah, his okay. he was an army brat. His dad was stationed in Japan. His dad died. Gotcha. His mom died or something. When she wasn't around. They never mentioned what happened to his mom. It's like, why Why didn't your mom raise you? And if <laughs> she, it, she left. And if you're... Yeah, she just booked it. So even though the army would have taken care of him, he was raised by Oroku Saki. And Rukusaki apparently didn't teach him anything about being a ninja. He just taught him to be a businessman. Well, so, that's part of being a ninja. So here's ninja business tactics, right? So what happens is they were injecting these test subjects, test animals, back in the late '90s with all these different kinds of mutagens to try to create a super soldier serum. Oh, and, okay. And, and then, they were just testing it on critters, right? But. Uh, so the bad guy uh, and Shredder had this whole plan all along, but April's dad was innocently helping out and doing this stuff for a genetic research, and he didn't realize that until when he found out there was an evil plot, he burned the place down. And so April like actually... Like you would. Yeah. So a- and he died in the fire, of course. And then... <laughs> Usually when you set a fire, you make sure you can get out first. There's some story about like 
somebody killed him as he was setting the fire or something like that. There's some explanation for it, but it's confusing. Anyway, April saved the turtles and Splinter the rat and somehow or like tried to save them or whatever. They got out of the uh-huh. fire. And then it's only, you know, 15 years later that she realizes, oh, you guys were those turtles and I gave you names and Splinter remembered them because he was already had like a cognitive sense about him by the time that had happened. And so anyway, why did they just stick with the original it's, story? It's What's basically wrong with the original story. But it, what was kind of cute was how they tied it back in and she goes. But how does Splinter teach the turtles to be ninjas? Oh, that's great. Good question. Uh, as they were mutating in the sewer, he found a book. Of course he did. And he learned it all from a book. And not even like a thick book. <laughs> it's like, like a pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to be a ninja. <laughs> Red Thompson's ninja kit. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was kind of goofy. And you're like, really? He just picked it all up from a book. And and that's awful. And apparently the book came with nunchucks and katana swords and like, <laughs> he forged them from materials he found. So in there's the sewer. there's obviously like problems like that where you just kind of have to take a leap of faith. But there's these great little segments where they show the the turtles as like adolescent as kids. They're about eight years old, and okay. they're like they have a little. They make a makeshift mirror and they stick it out of the sewer drain and they can see music videos playing in the TVs in the buildings around them. And they're watching um, Gwen Stefani sing Hollaback Girl. (laughs) And they start, like, Michelangelo starts dancing. And they don't have their masks or anything yet, but they're still just dressed as kids and stuff. It's Those those were the kind of cute moments that you wish there were more of those in the movie. Hmm. But I like that they said, oh, she goes, you guys were my pets. And, And so someone goes, just like, what are these? She goes, these are my pet turtles or something like that. So they had a history together. And I kind of like that. Um, it was original, but without going too far outside of the realm of the original story. And um, there, there was one great fight where the Shredder invades their lair with some of the foot soldiers. And he fights with Splinter. And Splinter, like, well, he fights the foot soldiers first. He okay. fights like five or six of them at once. And that sequence was great because it was like they had this. It's like uh, what getting to watch Yoda fight. Yeah, kind of, but it was way better than Yoda's fight. I'll put it that way. Like, yeah, it was very CG, but it was still fun. I don't know. There was a, were the foot was, soldiers actual guys or were they robots? They were guys. Okay. Yeah, not like in the cartoon. No, they still haven't tackled that one in movies, which I think would be cool. Yeah, I would. I that's even though that was an excuse in the cartoon for turtles Violence. To, to, for turtles to use swords and like really hit things and you know, stab somebody with a sigh. <laughs> um, that's why they made them robots. <laughs> that would have been so, so awful if they were like people. <laughs> it's like blood brains flying yeah, except everywhere. kids would have been like, finally, someone gets us. <laughs> <laughs> 80s kids would have eaten it up. But we, but what gave it, what was cool about them being robots in the 80s was that it gave it this sci-fi edge. Yeah. So it wasn't just a fantasy about mutant turtles. It was also, there's this, alternate dimensions, space age, techno technology stuff going on. Yeah. So that space was a whole other technology is the best. Well, it was just beyond. I shouldn't say space age because the space age was like in the 60s. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It feels like stuff from the future. New space age. Right. 
Space, space, age. So those those were the cool... There were cool things like that in the movie that nine-year-old me, my inner child, was just like, okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, who, and, what little boy wouldn't like that? Yeah, splinter kicking butt. And then there was there were several sequences where um, actually the guys get in trouble for going out on their first mission before they were allowed to. And so Splinter punishes them by making them go do these acts of extreme focus. Like they're one one has to balance upside down while juggling, and another one is like balancing on a teeter totter of two boards with a ball in between them, huh. and he's like okay. balancing that while doing something else. And so they they're there for like four hours before Splinter tries to make them break, and uh, all all he does is bring in a pizza. And there's this cute gag about like it's the much. Uh, he goes, oh, this isn't a regular, you know, four cheese pizza. This is the coup de gras. This is the greatest invention known to man. It's the uh, long, uh, legendary, uh, often heard of, never seen, 99 cheese pizza. And they're like, that's impossible. <laughs> and so he's like describing it all and bringing a big slice over to Michelangelo and trying to, and eventually he breaks and falls down. So it was cute stuff like that. But in the end... Shredder and the bad guys are trying to release this toxin into the air because they have this giant spire on the top of their building. And if they put out this neurotoxin into the world, it'll be, I don't know, basically they're going to turn New York City into a um, a quarantine zone. Okay. And then his company can come in and like save people or, or so they were trying to create from, because the fire wiped everything out 10, 15 years ago. Right. They realized, oh, we have the, the mutants are still alive, so we can use their blood to make um, an antidote <laughs> to the poison, basically. The mutagen in their blood would have been. And he says things like, there's this great line, like, I want you to drain every last drop of blood from the turtles, even if it kills them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that line in episode one. Where they, they try to gas the Jedi in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. They must be dead by now. <laughs> Finish off what's left of them. Like, wait, what? Well, even that makes sense. Because even if they're dead, their bodies are lying there. And you can chop up their bodies. Yeah, but, this but was like, is like... that what they do? They, like, chop up bodies before <laughs> throwing them into space or something? Exactly. Well, they fit out the chute easier that way in pieces. In Jedi, <laughs> Jedi chunks. But anyway, this was just... There were some goofy lines like that. The dialogue was not great. And and one thing I didn't appreciate about even if it kills, sorry. even if it kills them, what? <laughs> <laughs> I get pulling all their blood out of their bodies. Yeah. I'm fine with that, but I'm not killing anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I will pull every last drop, but I'm not killing those turtles. <laughs> um, and then there was this cute scene where they're like trapped, and then they're all their blood is being drained. So, or three of them are trapped, and their blood is being drained. So the good guy, April and Raphael, come in to rescue them. And they pump them full of adrenaline on the computer. There's like adrenaline up, 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 up. And then they go, oh, 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 and they get all pumped and they break out of their cages and everything. And they, they, they just start running around going, oh, my God, I feel so good. Oh, my God. Oh, I feel so great. This, we got to do something right now. <laughs> so there's funny moments like that. But there's also like. So they had they had a writer with some talent, at least. Somebody in there was, you know, they were making themselves laugh. And that's good. So kids will enjoy that stuff. Um but they're a little too few and far between. I, I chuckled a good four times in the movie, but that was it. Um, there's moments in there where when they first meet April and she's a babe, whatever, Michelangelo goes, oh, 
dude, I can feel my shell tightening. And you're just like, ew, is that a <laughs> turtle dick joke? That is disgusting. This is a kid's movie, man. Yeah, but they always try to throw in those, even like in Incredibles, like they always try to throw in those jokes that are going to go over the kids' heads, but make the adults laugh. I didn't laugh. I went, ew. Yeah. That's, ugh. That's Turtle gross. dick. Are you, so now they I'm- They got sin- my dick joke. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, so now I'm thinking about turtles have a dick. And is he going to- Well, want, he is half human, right? Is he going to want to have sex with her now? Is this what we're, that's the natural thought progression. Turtle power. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so anyway, the movie was not great. Um, it, it has a happy ending, and there's there's a, a nice moving moment where as they think they're dying, Raphael gives a speech about why he's been such a dick all his life. And it's because he was insecure about being a part of this team that was so awesome. He didn't feel like he really fit in, and um, he was just pushing him. He was pushing everybody to be better because he really felt insecure about himself. So there was this... But they just crammed it into such a small moment out of nowhere that it, it felt manufactured. It felt manufactured. But if you're a longtime Turtle fan, you're like, well, that was a long time coming. You know, that's 30 years in the making that little moment. So, yeah. Well, a good thing they crammed it into a, yeah, so a it, small moment. The movie could have been way better, way better. So when does Vanilla Ice come into the movie? Uh, Second act. Yeah. Second act. But he's just a fat uh, he's the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> it would not have been great. A great cameo. Like that would have been hilarious. Yeah, that would have been good. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just whistling. <laughs> have you ever seen a turtle get down? <laughs> anyway. Um, no, vanilla ice has nothing to do with the Ninja Turtles. They, should, that should never have happened anymore. No, it should never have happened anymore. It's not canon. It's not um, canon. Yeah, so that's the movie I went and saw. Yeah, but it's fun. Did you watch Snowpiercer yet? My guess is you no, didn't. I haven't. I would have heard, heard about I've, it. I've uh, I've been working my butt off this week actually because uh, going on vacation all next week. You know the work still comes in, so I have to make sure that I'm as far ahead as I can possibly be before I leave. Yeah, and so, you can work remotely too a little bit. Yeah, in fact, I'm I might be bringing my computer with me up to Tahoe just so I can bang out a few emails or something. See, I wouldn't even days, think but. about that. Like, I don't I work differently than you in a completely different industry. But if I was going on vacation, yeah, I'd bring my laptop. Like, yeah. I would never not have it. It's it's just something to do in the evenings. And well, stuff. it's like my work laptop, and yeah. then, you know, I'm taking a vacation to get away from work. Right. But right, right. I, I mean, yesterday I pulled a 12 hour day. Yeah, I know. So that was that was pretty rough, but you know what? Surprisingly, it flew by. Well, yeah, it it's went like by when you're really busy, quick. If you're keeping I was busy, just, yeah, I was just turning and burning yesterday. So, what are you guys gonna do in Tahoe? Um, our typical day starts with getting uh, the wave runners in the water. Betsy's, excuse me. Yeah, who else Betsy's, are you going with? Betsy's parents have uh, two uh, wave runners. So um, Betsy's family is kind of it's a yeah normally. It's uh, Betsy's mom and dad, and then um, uh, Betsy's mom has limited mobility, so they have a caregiver that works with them. She's oh, cool. kind of become part of the family. Yeah, yeah. And um, then normally uh, her brother and his wife, uh, Pat and Marlena, will come out, but uh, they went to Europe on the. I've only met him at your wedding one time. Yeah, he's they're they're both good people. Mm-hmm. Um. So he uh, he and his wife took a delayed honeymoon uh, a few weeks ago. They spent three weeks in Europe, 
nice. they just got back last month, so they can't take time off. So they're not going right. to join us this year. Okay. More um, more ski do time for you. Yeah. Jet ski time. Or and whatever it's it is. it's fun, but in the lake is just so big that it, it kind of you know after a little while it gets a little boring. Yeah. Just because there's only so much. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, the best time to That's go. That's a good is, impression of what it sounds like when you're yeah. on a jet ski. The best time to go is in the morning when the water is nice and calm. Yeah, and not everybody's out there yet. Right, creating um, waves and wakes. And when it's really smooth, it's it's a lot more fun. But um, still, it it can get a little boring on the wave runners. But we'll bring them in and park them on the beach. And we the the hotel we stay at, which is the the Hyatt at Incline Village, oh, they nice. have a, a timeshare in one of the condos that's okay. near the hotel. They have their own private beach. Wow. So, well, I mean, yeah, it's small, uh, but the, well, the whole hotel, all the hotel guests use it. Right, right, right. So there's always, you know, 200, 300 people at the beach. Sure. And it's not that small. Do you also like go into town or do you just mostly spend time at the beach and mostly we just relax on the beach, um, just hang out on the beach. We'll go do a little swimming. Um, there's a dock that's right there that has a bar out at the end of it. They Is that the one I was talking about? Rosie's? Drinks. Uh, I don't think it has a name really. It used to be Rosie's is the one that I used to go to. You know, that was where we got burgers and fries and stuff. It's it's just like a bar with like a canopy over it. Oh, okay. Not that then. It's not like... This was a restaurant. It's not like an enclosed building. Yeah, this was a restaurant where... It was a restaurant and bar. It was like a grill. So you would get burgers and fries all day long. And then we could also get... Yeah. Adults would get drinks there. Um, It's crazy too because they always hire staff from from in Europe from Europe these really? kids in Europe so everyone's from like Belarus whoa and you know countries you never really think about oh, welcome to Lake Tahoe no 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 <laughs> much more like a Russian accent <laughs> do that one then um what would that sound like Rob <laughs> do your best Belarusian accent the best Belarusian accent hello welcome welcome and to Lake Tahoe <laughs> I don't even know. Vilkomen. Yeah, it's German. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Lake Tahoe. <laughs> Would you care for a drink? Could I please to be helping you with the drink? <laughs> but they, you know, they come out for the, I guess, the whole summer and make a, a good amount of money and then go back. Yeah. Um, and it's not a bad place to work yeah. for your, um, you know, your summer if you're from somewhere else. That yeah. does, especially a place that doesn't have weather like ours. Yeah, and then we'll go back and like after we're at the beach, um, we'll go back and just chill out at you know whatever the condo is and yeah, um, and sleep. Then a lot. barbecue, yeah, nice. barbecue, and then they play this card game. Betsy's family does. It's called Hand and Foot, and it's a version of Canasta. And I could try and I explain don't even know it. What canasta but is that would take the whole podcast to okay. explain it. Hand and Foot. Look it up, everybody. Yeah, basically. Well, good. Do you want to check and in then, with... Well, wait. I'm not done yet. Jeez, this guy And then talking. after we play cards, we go to the casino sometimes, which Ooh. is fun. Because it's on the fun side of the lake. Right. The, the Nevada, the Nevada side. side. Uh, Incline Village is probably like the more affluent area of the lake, too. But that's... Is that on Nevada side, Incline Village? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So you're going to go spend some money. Well, drop, drop hopefully some make some money. Yes, because that's how gambling always works. I, it has the last couple of times I've been up there. Oh, good. I don't make them a lot, you know, maybe like two or three hundred bucks. But, nice. You know, what, what's your game in the casinos? I like to play blackjack. Ooh. Yeah, it's slow. It, it, it's a game you can play what, for a while. What's the one James Bond always plays? Baccarat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'd go play baccarat and be like, la banque. I would just like put on my bow tie and just uh, the bow tie, like <laughs> with a bow tie and a swim trunks. That's it. I go, <laughs> I'd be like, deal me and dealer. <laughs> and they'd be like, sir, I like to live dangerously, sir. We require at least a t shirt at this table. Deal me, and I said, I live by my own rules. <laughs> So we require at least a t-shirt, vodka martini, shaken not stirred. Can you make that a virgin martini? I don't like alcohol. It's made entirely of alcohol. <laughs> then bring me a water. <laughs> bring me a water and tell me it's it's shaken not stirred. Put a slice of lime in it. Um, yeah, I I've really only messed around at a couple casinos briefly. Pulled a few, you know. Yeah, that's the. I mean, uh, slots can slot be machine, fun, but I have arms. had, I've never had any luck with a slot machine. They're a waste I don't of even money, have, in my opinion. I don't even but, have luck at the virtual ones that you play for fun on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I keep it, losing. They're not, they're just not for me. I'll say that. Some people I've heard win lots of money. Now, roulette. They have, they have, you know, roulette's a crazy game. Roulette's cool. I've, I've landed a number once. Which pays thirty six to one, right? But how many other pieces did you have on other things on that just table? That, on that one, I, really? I, but yeah, I, I just just walking by a roulette table. I'm like, oh, I'll put ten dollars on twenty one, and I hit it. You're like, goodbye, and won three hundred sixty dollars, <laughs> and walked away on a ten dollar. Of course not, dude. No, I, would, I, would just I lost on. it all back to the casino <laughs> over the course of three hours. If I, I was waiting, that, that was, was your first move. Uh no, I lost. I See, lost like much... fifty. I lost like fifty dollars playing craps because I had absolutely no, no I mean, idea what I was doing. I know, but I mean, that. when you went to the roulette table, was that your first? Yeah, play? that was first and so only move. How cool would it have been if you just put it down and went twenty one, and then gained it back and just went goodbye and just walked away? Not not from the casino. I but... I basically did. Oh, okay. I won all that so money, didn't... and then I was like, "All right, I'm good." Yeah, okay, that's what I meant. And like, I walked, walked away, from away from the roulette from... table, yeah. but you went to other tables, and it happened again. Where I I did a bet I had a, a five dollar chips so I put ten dollars on like red or something and five dollars on twenty one and they're like you can't do that I'm like what yeah because you you're playing both sides no no they're like what do you mean and I'm like no you can do that it doesn't matter they'll let you put a chip on every spot if you oh, want right. okay um that's true but he's like it's a fifteen dollar minimum bet so I took my five dollar chip off the twenty one and put it on the the ten dollar bet on top of the ten dollar bet I'd put on black or whatever. And you said hit, it was and red. it hit twenty one. Wait, wait! You said you took it off twenty one, right? So if I had took taken the ten dollars I put on the red or black bet that this I made onto onto the twenty one, I would have won. You would have nailed it. Okay, so this was a different spin. I would have won what four hundred and eighty bucks. <laughs> I hope you learned your lesson. Yeah, always bet on 21. God hates you as soon as you step into a casino. <laughs> it's not true. You just have to play smart, and when you're up, you stop. Yeah, but... And that's the lesson that I learned from that day. <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that. Because it was a family trip. Yeah. And I was waiting for Pam to come down, and she was seriously hungover. I don't know if you knew that Pam? about Pam, but she gets... The worst hangovers of anyone I've seen. I don't know if it's because it she drinks so it, much. It doesn't deter her from drinking more. No, well, absolutely not. <laughs> it's always worth it, man. Absolutely not. But um, 
Yeah, so I think it's good. I was waiting for her to come down, and I kept sending her text messages like, "Are you coming down and come down?" She's like, "Uh, "Yeah, give me thirty minutes." (laughs) So I'm sitting at the blackjack table, just bleeding that three hundred and sixty dollars back to the casino. I was there for two hours. (laughs) Jesus. And then finally, Pam comes down, and Pam's his sister. Everybody. Yeah. And she did not look good. Like she was ready. (laughs) She'd showered, blow dried her hair, and like got dressed and did everything. But she just looked like. She was hung over <laughs> half asleep. Yeah. And she's Her I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, I just want to go back and sleep. I'm like, why didn't you just say that? <laughs> People are she's crazy. like, I did. And you were kept telling me to come down. So I came down. I'm like, okay, all right, fine. <laughs> so I'm walking back to the I'm like, let's just go back to the room. We're walking back and she she has to stop to vomit in one of the garbage oh. cans in the casino while we walk back. Jeez. I felt bad for her. So she went back and she just slept and I just watched TV until like my parents came back from whatever it was they were doing. Maybe they were golfing or something. Oh, okay. There's and golf I told there I too. told my dad about how excited I was that I hit hit the twenty one. Right. He's like, Wow, you won three hundred and sixty bucks. Like, yeah, st- about that. So you stopped, right? <laughs> I'm like, No. And he was like upset at me. Yeah. He was He's mad. Like, You're no son of mine. He's like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like I didn't know anybody. I was waiting for Pam. Excuse. <laughs> it's Pam's fault. Excuse, excuse, excuse. It's, this wasn't anybody's fault but mine. You should have just said, Dad. Vegas is rigged, Dad. I don't know said, if you knew this, but it's rigged. You should have said, Dad, you raised me. And obviously, you didn't do a good enough job. Yeah, he's like, you should have spent it all on stereo equipment. <laughs> Laser disc players. Um, so... Real quick, I did mention that there was a Reddit AMA the other day. Um, this goes back to the Ninja Turtles thing. Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, did a Reddit Ask Me Anything session. Okay. He answered two of my questions, so I feel like... Two? I, I feel like I talked two? to a celebrity. So they must have been awesome. decent questions. Yeah, I think he was trying to a- answer a question for everybody that was there, like at least one. So I asked him about... Like, like who would win in a fight? <laughs> lemons or bananas? <laughs> Usually they had to do with Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. Uh, I asked one question about like um, how they created April to be not just another like damsel in distress character, and like what was the concept behind making her almost a fifth Ninja Turtle? She was part of the team and stuff like that. And then another one was about um, what would happen. What, did you ever conceive of like teenage years go by pretty fast? So what happens after the Ninja Turtles are not teenagers anymore? Are, are they, like, ancient by their 30s and, like, ready to die? And he gave an answer about, like, I always imagined they'd go into outer space, like, in the more sci-fi comic books and just be, like, cruising around the galaxy like my heroes from Star Trek. <laughs> like, saving that people. That makes sense. Saving people on other planets and That stuff. seems like the next logical step right. for the Ninja Turtle crew. So it was fun. I got to do that. Um, and then uh, I also wanted to mention that we have a few questions that we have not answered from our huge huge audience out there yeah um well obviously there's thousands of questions we can't possibly answer them all so we're gonna try to get to like a, a few of them here yeah um, let's, let's just do, i was actually hanging out with one how of many our, how many questions should we answer today what do you think like, like maybe four or five four maybe. or five okay yeah you know, just um, sorry everybody else who had a question <laughs> i mean we're sorry the mailman brings sacks of letters to my door just, every day <laughs> like Two at a time. He's like, I can. There's more back at the post office, but this is all I could yeah, carry today. He hates. He hates coming to my house just because of all the, the just, backbreaking 
empties, labor. empties out the bag. For and some just... reason, people are sending real mail instead of just emails <laughs> or just posting stuff on our Facebook. Well, they also like to send us food that they've made for us, you know, yeah. casserole dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Macaroni art. <laughs> yeah, everything. Of it's me crazy. and Mike. <laughs> I'll have to post one of those sometime. It's you. <laughs> Signed, Tommy. <laughs> so... I was actually hanging out with one of our many valued listeners uh, last night. It was her son's birthday over at um, Chuck E. Cheese, which, by the way, is not what it used to be. Is that Chuck, like, with a Y in the middle? So Chuck and Cheese? No. It's oh. Chuck, space, the letter E, period, Uh huh. Cheese, apostrophe, S. Oh, okay. It's His name Chuck is e. Chuck. Cheeses. His middle name is Edward. <laughs> And his last name is Cheese. And this is his place. It's Chuck E. Cheese's. And the place is just a giant staff infection waiting to get into you. <laughs> of course just... it is. It's awful. Anyway, she was very upset that we had not answered her question. So I thought we'd dive it. Because we, we kind of spent the whole week last week on Robin Williams, which yeah, rightfully so. Um, Come on. So, uh, and we've also mentioned in previous shows that we were going to have some guests. We're still planning on it. It's just a scheduling snafu thing. So yep, um, hang tight. We're going to have some guests pretty soon. Um, so the first question came from uh, a woman named Suzanne Beck. Um, okay. And it wasn't a question. I, I said, what should we discuss on the show? And she said, Israeli conflict. And uh, I said, no, we're just yeah. not going to. I'm not going to go that we we went there and we offended half the planet. Probably we, we, we did talk about did, it, didn't we? No, we talked about it off the air. Oh, yeah. We were yeah. walking the dogs. And we last still week. managed to offend half the planet. <laughs> People were looking at us. Yeah, we were out of out in public talking about it. Basically, both sides uh, have valid points. Both sides are also complete murderous killers. And there's no right or wrong side here. Right. That's our take that's kind it. of where we're at. Um. We both agree they should stop fighting. So when I told Miss Suzanne that she would not be getting an answer from us on that, uh, which she kind of just did, so she kind of lucked out, um, she asked, where can I find two pairs of men's spandex overalls? Blue. Where else would you find those? Yeah, obviously at men's spandex overalls outlet. Oh, I was thinking spandex are us on Highway 12. Oh, it's over in the spandex district. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's easy to find. Um, just follow the spandex uh, billboards yeah. all the way along. I mean, I was I was like, oh, okay, we'll my, try to answer it's my that. first thought for spandex. So she said she's running a tough mutter in September, and she's dressing up as a character from Mario Kart, complete with balloons. Just so you know, that's why she needs huh. this outfit. She's gonna she be should, a sexy should, Mario or something. She should make like a paper mache ninja turtle, or like ninja, not no, ninja turtle, the, the uh, turtle, turtle, turtle shell. You know, somebody was doing that at like Comic Con. Somebody dressed up as Luigi and was in like a little golf cart, not or a little go kart, and he had basically one of those like um, dodge balls or something about that size, uh-huh. and he had made it up to look like a turtle shell and was just going around throwing them at people. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just bounce off him, you know. It didn't hurt just, him. And just make Suzanne make sure you eat a lot of bananas and just leave the peels All the on the peels floor everywhere. But it was awesome because they were making videos. It'd be two people, like somebody interviewing somebody at Comic Con, and you'd see one of the two people just get pelted with this turtle shell, and then this, this slow motoring go kart would go right past the camera, and he'd be like, throw a gangster sign at the camera and just keep driving along. That's awesome. It was really great. You can find those online. Um, then a, uh, a another listener named Kristen White uh, wanted to know where does the name Hootie 
and the blowfish come from? That's a good question. Um, I have no idea. Well, I actually answered this for her in person, so I will go back. Um, basically, the guys in the band, Hootie and the Blowfish, which was a popular musical band um, back in the mid-90s, uh, they were kind of... I'm quite sure that everyone in our listenership is aware of Hootie and the Blowfish. You need to think bigger, my friend. Yeah. What if... Well. <laughs> You're like, I don't do that. That's what not if my specialty. aliens are picking up this podcast? Is that what no, you're No, you got to think that some people might be older, some people might be younger, and all right, all right. some people Explain might have who never listened. Blowfish were. So basically, they were a rock and roll band from... Dude, we were big Hootie and the Blowfish fans. Um, yeah, you want to sing. <laughs> I just want to love you, but you want to wear my ring. So uh, that was from their first album, circa nineteen ninety. Only want to be with you. <laughs> and uh, they were basically big college rock radio bands. Oh yeah, that was kind of what they That's were. Definitely what that was. It was but we were rock. We were listening to them in high school. Um, we were way ahead of all the other high totally. school kids. We were listening to college rock. <laughs> totally. College rock has changed a lot since the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they were from S- South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. A bunch of white guys with a black lead singer and very socially conscious. um, Emotionally conscious. Oh, yes, very much. But they they got that question a lot. Like, are you Hootie and are those guys the blowfish, plural? That's not what it was. None of them was Hootie. None of them was the blowfish. The band was named after two guys they knew in high school or something. One was a kind of a, a guy who made... He would make his cheeks blow up his cheeks all big, and they called him the Blowfish. I think that was just a nickname of one guy. And there was another guy who had giant glasses that made him look like an owl, so they yeah. called him Hootie. And I guess those kids hung out together or something. They called him Hootie and the Blowfish. So they just took that name because it sounded like a band name. It does. It didn't. It didn't come it from is. anything except you know just someone had those names. So now uh, the band, I guess, only consists. I don't even know if the band exists at all. Um, yeah, it says they're back in 2008. They got they've been semi-active as a band since then. But um, Darius Rucker has gone on to he goes, wait, I'm a country musician now. <laughs> so he's been doing country albums. Yeah, but that answers that question. Uh, let me see if we have any others. I don't the know. band had its time. They did some good things, and, and that they did time some bad is gone. things too. The time has passed. Um, did we have any other questions? No, maybe that was it. <laughs> two questions. That was all the questions we we, we can handle oh, it's today. Too many, thousands, just too many. So that's all we've got. got. But feel free to keep sending them in, and I'll try to remember to keep asking about them. Rob, do you want to check in with uh, yourself from the future? What do you mean? Well, we've got this uh, po- time portal thing where you can call in from the future, but you got to remember wow, to do dimensions, it. Other dimensions, time portals. Yes, got all kinds of crazy it's, things. It's going a new on. app I downloaded on my computer. Okay, um, and I'm not telling anyone the name of it because I don't want it to become too popular and <laughs> screw up, screw up the time space continuum because people are really irresponsible with time travel. Yeah, and I think that's evident. Even when they're not trying to be irresponsible with it, they're irresponsible with it. Yeah, even when they're trying but the most noble purposes, us. not us. We know what we're doing. We're not going to send anybody back and forth. We're not going to like, right. you know, kill anybody's grandparents or anything. We're just going to check in with Rob and ask him about his vacation. Do you want to do that? But you got to remember to check in with us in the future, or this won't happen. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I will. All right. Okay, so let's check in with Rob from a day or two from now and see how his vacation's going. Over to you, Rob. Hey, me. How's it going, me? Hey, Mike. And me? Or is it me and Mike? Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm here in Lake Tahoe right now talking to you guys back a couple of days ago. Kind of cool that, uh, you know, I was able to put that together. We're able to put this together and use technology to kind of wow everybody here. Anyway, up at Tahoe. Things are going really great. Cool. So what's been going on up there? Weather's been awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, been getting in a lot of relaxation. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, really cool, the other day, uh, I saw a hooker. No way. Like a real live hooker. No way. And uh, while we didn't elicit her normal services, uh, she did challenge me to an eating contest at a bar for popcorn. Uh-huh. And uh, I must have eaten 17 pounds of popcorn. It was pretty amazing. I can't believe you ate that many of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't know I could eat so many either. Anyway, uh, things are going great, and uh, I'll be back soon. We're ready to record another one. Thanks, guys. Sweet. All right, cool. Well, sounds like I'm having a good time. Yeah, Got some things like... to look forward to. <laughs> that was a, that was amazing. Time yeah. travel is the best. Yeah. So, um, yeah, without that about wraps that up. Uh, we'll, we'll just tidy up this show here because we don't have a lot going on. Oh, I will mention, um, I went to the bookstore yesterday. They still uh-huh. have them here and there if you can find them. Yeah, um, they're, they're somewhere. They're kind of, they're getting to be mythical though. Yeah. Kids, kids are going to like be like, you know, in a generation or so, they're going to be like, what bookstores? I've read about those on the internet. <laughs> like, you've actually been in one? I thought those things were just decorative now. <laughs> I've heard legend. Anyway, I bought this one. Dr. Sleep? It is the sequel to The Shining, because I read that. Oh, uh, okay. And I should yes, have known that. I read 100 pages of it yesterday, so what I know basically what's going on. Well, it's good. It's good writing. Yeah, um, it's always good writing. It gets... He gets a little long-winded sometimes. He does, and I feel like that that's when he doesn't know what's going on yet in the book. Because he just writes. I don't think he plots out uh, a whole outline for his story ahead of time. I think yeah. he just lets the characters take over. And sometimes that doesn't happen for a while. Yeah, sometimes you get 1,200-page books out of it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, th- I think he, he's so renowned now, Stephen King, that his editors won't edit him. They, Maybe they might go like, "Oh, here's an idea. Tweak this part of this chapter or something." But I don't think they go take this out. I think they feel like they can't say that to him, or if if they maybe do, they can't. Maybe they can't. Maybe if he's he goes ego maniacal. At I don't all, think or, so. But... I was watching an interview with him where he was talking about this book, and he seems just like the most down to earth, nice guy. He's aware of the wisdom he's accrued over the years, but uh-huh. he's also like, "I'm not going to phone it in with when I'm writing a book because." I know that he's like, I'll just hang it up then. Because if I just feel like I'm writing just to be writing for the paycheck, yeah, I'm done. He's like, I don't need to do that. I've got enough money. So if you ever catch me doing that, that means my career is over. So he, he even admits like he really works hard on his stories. And this one so far has got like three main stories that we're following intertwined. Huh. Um, but it obviously starts with little Danny from The Shining. But he's big Danny now, right? Uh, the first opening chapter takes place like two years after the shining okay and then and he sees a ghost like he's moved away from the sh- you know they, they moved down to florida okay. kind of to be closer to um scat man what's his name but he's dead in the movie not in the book 
in the book. Oh, you're he right. Lives. He does survive in the book. So they move down to Florida, uh, he and his mom, and they kind of live together. And he runs into some ghosts from the the Overlook. Really? They've followed him. And huh. and uh, what's his name? Um, Dick Halloran. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I didn't realize that's who you were trying to come up with. I yeah, could have yeah, told yeah. you. So Dick Halloran tells him how to take care of these things. Well, what happens is over the years, he's combating this these ghosts and he sees dead people that don't even know they're dead. Kind of like the sixth sense. And he's learning to deal with it, but it still scares the shit out of him the whole time growing up. So what he's found is that the only thing that makes his shining go away is booze. Oof. So now he's turned into his dad in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's got a serious alcohol problem by the time he's in his late twenties. Huh? And so that's kind of where it picks up. He's been traveling, working at, you know, janitorial jobs at hospices and hospitals. And he's just, every time he loses a job, he just hops on a bus, goes to another city and starts over again. So that's kind of where I'm at is he's, he's come to this new town in New Hampshire and um, he's trying to kick the habit. He's trying to deal with the shining that's coming in. And, um, and then there's other characters. Now I told you before that there was a thing where I had read that it was about psychic vampires and you're like eh. yeah so it, there is definitely something to that there's this group called the true knot it's a bunch of like gypsies almost that travel around in a caravan of um motorhomes and uh-huh. just live on campgrounds all across america and they've got tons of money stored away but they only use cash for everything and so they they've got you know total freedom basically uh-huh and uh and i guess what they do is they they live off steam, which is basically any kind of. They must like that Peter Gabriel song. Give me steam. <laughs> How you feel can make it real. I was, I was real be like, as anything you need. What sledgehammer? Why would they like that song? Get alive. <laughs> so with steam dreamers dream. Steam is basically. I think I haven't gotten this far in the book, but I think it's like any psycho kinetic or um supernatural powers like the shining um and the first person they recruit is this girl who's able to make people go into unconsciousness instantly so hmm. she'll she'll pick up a guy at a bar and be like take me to the movies i get really turned on in the dark and so she'll pick up some old rich guy go to the movies and like whisper in his ear sleep and he'll just go to sleep and then she just takes his money and leaves yeah but he's also if he's kind of a jerk and predatory she like she has this tattoo on her arm of a snake with giant oversized fangs so she leaves her mark she carves with a little knife into his face two little fangs like all the way up and down so he's just like gushing blood Crazy. but he's asleep he doesn't wake up so the vampire people the true knot is what they're called uh as in k n o t okay um, they um they take her and basically turn her into a vampire. They they turn her is what it's called a turning, and so are they like are they like vampires? They're not like blah. I'm going to fuck your blah. Well, yeah, but I mean, are they? No, like... they live off steam. So they so they basically anybody who's got that like her power. They don't have like fangs and drink blood. No, I think okay. they basically uh, find people who have this psychic energy of some sort, and they either kill them and take it or they turn them into one of them if they think they're really powerful. Huh. So, it's um, like the Volturi. The what? Uh, it's a twilight thing. You're not married, so you nope, know I don't know about, about twilight. It. Sorry. 
Yeah. Um, well, so most anyway, of the, most of the women in the podcast will understand that yes. comment. They're like the Bolturi. So uh, there's that, and then there's this baby that was born in the uh, early 2000s, and I think she's a major part of the book. Her name is Abra. And really? um, yeah, and so what's crazy is there's what's her great... last name Jones. <laughs> You're really close, actually. It's Stone. Really? So yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Abra, I guess, is an old like. Um, oh, it's a character from Steinbeck's book. Uh, what is it? Um, I can't remember. It's from a John Steinbeck book. Oh, okay. East of Eden. It's a character in East of Eden. Huh. So okay. um, the baby was born with a call over her face, part of just the uh, birthing material. And the gra- grandmother that's there in the in the uh, hospital room when she's born, it was like, oh, this is you got to keep that. It's really good luck. But it's, it's a sign that she has second sight. So there's all sorts of that kind of stuff going on in this book. Yeah. And there's this great scene where the baby, the parents are each having they're laying in bed, each having a dream. One is that the they can hear the baby crying, and one I think the mom is running down this long corridor trying to find her baby, and she finally finds it in a bathroom stall. It's like there's seats everywhere, and she realizes this might be like a train or an airplane, and there's just empty seats, but she's running down, and it feels like a mile trying to find her baby. She finds it in a bathroom door behind the door. She opens uh-huh. the door. Baby's fine, laying on the ground, but totally naked, and the number 11 is written on her, Ooh. and then she wakes up. Then the dad at the same time is having a dream that he's running up an escalator that is running down and it's like super, super high. And he's, he's in a mall. Like, Damn it. There's going to be so many stairs. To he's, climb. But he's like he's like in this giant room that looks like a mall or someplace, just a giant room of some sort. And, you know, how an escalator like an in the mall. airport terminal. Something like that. Or, or not an airport terminal, but like a, um, a, a big lobby or something like that. And the whole place is on fire. He's like, there's no smoke, but there's just like eternal fires of hell basically everywhere. And he can hear the baby crying somewhere at the top of the escalator. So he finally gets up there and there's people running everywhere. And he's trying to pull the baby away from being stepped on by the stampede. And he sees a number on the baby as well. And it's 175. Hmm. And then... they 217. No, that would be a connection to The Shining. Well, no, so then this whole book the sequel to The Shining, but it has nothing to do with the over. It doesn't have a lot to do with the Overlook. Oh, so okay. then they they wake up. The baby is crying. They can't get it to stop. They take her to the emergency room. They can't figure it out. Uh, they're there until like nine in the morning, and that's when they see on the news that an airplane has struck the World Trade Center. And oh, this, cool! And it was Flight Eleven, and then the next one that hits is Flight One Seventy Five. And huh. and when the second one hits, the baby stops crying. I was like, Creepy. I was reading that last night, going, "That is awesome!" Like this baby was aware of all these terrible things happening and could not be consoled for hours until it was over. Huh? And so it was just a crazy story. So that's about where I'm at, and I'll keep you posted. I'm not going to well, keep I'll giving probably, spoilers. I, I'll, I'll probably buy the book and read it. Over I'll just the give week. it to you when I'm done. I hope I hope I can read well, it quickly. I'd, I'd like to read it while I'm on my vacation. When you're sitting oh, on okay. the beach, sometimes reading a book's a nice thing. So yeah, so I'm I'm deep in my <clears throat> Stephen King stuff lately. So cool. Just trying to catch up on that one. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we need to cover here? Well, since we were on the topic of The Shining, uh-huh. uh, I wanted to say that I got bored at work um, during lunch. And okay. so I started looking up The Shining. Actually, what's, what prompted it is that on all of our emails at work, yeah. uh, well, most of them, we have like a, a, a picture of ourselves that 
pops up in our Outlook emails that yeah, get yeah, sent. Yeah. It's kind of just it's like your a signature. friendly thing. It's not a signature. It's like oh, okay. it's like part of the border of the email that you can put in there. It's not okay. like in the body of the email. Got it. Um, and so one lady that works there, she has a really creepy picture. <laughs> And my boss was just like, dude, this picture is just so creepy. I'm like, I was trying to find a picture of like the lady from The Shining from room 237. Mrs. Massey. Yeah. That was all like, you know, her after she was all decayed. Yeah. Because it, I mean. It's so gross. She's got like that short hair that, I don't know. It it was a little bit close. <laughs> and I couldn't really find a good picture to send them. Right. But, but when I was looking, looking that up. I saw the thing for Room 237, the that documentary. documentary about all the themes. And Did you watch it? I have not seen it yet. We got to watch it. It made me want to see it, but I clicked on a link for a web page, and I can send you the link because the, not everything this guy wrote is awesome. Some of it is wacky. It's a little wacky and out there, and I'm like, really? like Totally. Okay, that's a little reaching. But some of the things, he was talking about the scene in the movie with the Room 30, 237. Turdy. Turdy, two thirty-seven, which in the book is two seventeen, right? But in the movie, he changed it to two thirty-seven. Why? Because a, a, the story is that um, the hotel actually had a room two seventeen where they filmed it. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't want people to not want to go into that room, right? To because feel of the because the movie was so you know, and they didn't a have a, they didn't really have a room two thirty-seven in that one, so they just right. changed the middle number to three, and now it wasn't a problem, right? So he was drawing a lot of similarities between that scene and the scene earlier in the movie where Danny wants to go get his fire truck and mm-hmm. his mom's like, don't wake your dad. And mm-hmm. he goes in and to the room and he sees his dad is already awake, sitting up on the bed. And he, his dad calls him over and sits him on his knee. And he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, I love you, son. And right. he's like, dad, you wouldn't hurt me and mommy, would you? And right. he's like, no, no, of course Never. not. And they have this really tender moment. And he starts pointing out things like apparently the layout of their apartment is really similar to the layout of the room in 237 as you get that like first person point of view as you walk through the room. And all the furniture and carpet has a really like cartoony kind of dreamlike feel to it, which points out. Yeah. There's a lot of similar movements between the lady in the tub as you see her and like movements that Jack is making in that earlier scene. And basically just kind of breaks it down to like the way Danny remembers what happened in that room isn't what actually happened. Oh. That his he actually did wake up his dad and his dad strangles him and actually does hurt Danny. In that scene. In that scene. But, but we're Danny seeing it kind the way of he like remembers it. The trauma that Danny suffered um causes it to like uh or causes him to mem- remember it differently yeah that's and that pretty whole different. scene where jack goes in actually goes into room 237 and sees the lady in there as a dream right uh, a dream that danny's having because if you watch it it kind of cuts back and forth where danny's just like kind of sitting there like shaking. trembling and having his yeah, seizure like yeah and um yeah that's an interesting documentary it's it it's all but speculation. It wasn't, it, that wasn't the documentary. Right, but that there's was some individual person's blog. That, that totally and that totally is w- the kind of thing you see in in this documentary. Yeah. Um and a lot of these you can go, okay, that's reaching. That's just nuts. It, yeah, and a lot of the times I was thinking that I was always writing, but the guy points out that Kubrick was an absolutely meticulous filmmaker. Yep. He didn't put anything in his movies that he didn't specifically want. Yep. I mean, he was they were talking about how he would do 
50 takes on just the most mundane like and they're, everyday shot and the, they're just and like, the actors and the, the crew must have been like why are we doing this over and over again but, yeah. but kubrick knew he wanted exactly the right thing apparently the scene where scatman crothers gets axed in the chest they did that move that scene so many times that scatman like broke down afterwards. yeah he was in his like, 60s when they filmed that anyway that's yeah probably pretty tough on a guy like that yeah and so I mean, he was just a brilliant filmmaker. He was. He was talking about how, like, he treated Shelley Duvall differently and how, like, he had some weird theory. My brother had a better theory because we saw the documentary that he he had done right, while was, he was making the uh, movie. Kubrick's daughter shot behind-the-scenes footage right. and kind of made a small but he documentary he had ultimate control over that. And so nothing got put in that documentary that, that Kubrick, Kubrick didn't, didn't want. want in there. Stanley and my brother want. was just like, he was brilliant. Like he just broke Shelley Duvall down while she was making, while he was making that movie to like bring that performance out of her. Right. To make her feel completely um, vulnerable all the time, all the time to make her feel like she had nobody else there. Like, you know, and, and Stephen King has gone on record multiple times saying he does not like Kubrick's movie. And I don't know. I don't know well, how here's you what, here's, like it. Like, here, because it wasn't. I mean, he, he might even like the movie, but he doesn't like how they took his story and changed it. Because his story, he goes, his, his version is, I'm warm. Kubrick is cold. I bring the, the audience into the characters. And he felt like Kubrick kind of kept them at a distance from the audience so that they were observing a thing, but they didn't feel like they were in it with them. And I get what he's talking about. He goes, he goes, it's a perfect metaphor. In the end of my book, I blow the place up. The outlook goes, goes down in flames, warm in the end of the (laughs) Kubrick's shining. The bad guy just freezes to death. Yeah. Cold. So he's like, I'm warm. He's cold. I invite the audience in. He kind of makes you go through an experience, but the character you can't really fully relate to any of the characters in Kubrick's version of it. Yeah, and, and there's this great thing in Room Two Thirty Seven, the documentary, where they go. There's a symbol in the beginning of the movie that shows that Kubrick was taking this away from Stephen King and making it his own because there's this scene when they're driving up to from Sidewinder up to the the house. Um, in in the book, they're driving a red Volkswagen Beetle. I think yeah, I think yeah. No, and in I the remember movie, it's a beetle. I don't remember what color. In the movie, it's like blue. I wanted to say it was yellow, but I think it was maybe yellow in the movie. And then there's a scene where you see where they drive past like a, an accident where a tanker has crushed another car. That was in the book, right? Not in the movie. It's in the movie. Is it? Yeah. And I don't remember that. The car that was crushed is a red beetle, or whatever the color is. Whatever or... the color is from the book. Oh, okay. Kubrick said, I'm crushing your beetle. We're driving a yellow beetle now. This is my movie, yeah. not your story anymore. So and in see, a way... it's kind of like, I, I get the Stephen King's warm and cold thing, but to have someone do a retelling of your story, like, why wouldn't you? You're adapting it. Well, he understands adaptations, Why wouldn't you I'm like sure. that? I mean... I, I think it's because the tone. It was nothing like the tone that... For, he, first of all, he goes... He said an interesting point. He goes... Jack Nicholson started out crazy in the movie. You just feel like he's already lost he's his marbles. He's got a screw loose somewhere. Right. And he's like, or in, it's in like, my book. It's shaking and it's almost popping out. And he's like, in my book, he's a warm, loving person who has an alcohol problem and an anger problem. That's it. Yeah. And he slowly is taken over by the hotel and turns into a monster. Yeah. He's like, in the beginning of The Shining, you're already like, this guy's there's danger already here. Yeah. And, um, 
and I get that if it's when they get to the house and you you sense danger in the in the hotel, but um, even when they're driving up in Stanley Kubrick's movie, he's a little creepy in the car. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh... And Jack, that's the I don't tone. think Jack Nicholson has like, like a, the ability to play a warm character. Well, it, maybe at the end of uh, As Good As It Gets or something like that. But even then, I still think he's kind of like a... Standoffish and... Not standoffish. I don't, I don't want to put, say that, but he's just kind of like a party guy. I guess even when he's playing warm, he's still kind of, sort of like... Even when he's singing in Batman and he's like... <laughs> he's the Joker and he's like... Oh, what is he singing? He's There'll like cutting it in the old town tonight. You're like, oh, what a fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's like the crazy fun uncle, I guess is the best way I can put it. Like, yeah, but he could also go he, off the I handle and see him playing like a soft, like cuddly teddy bear character. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's our uh, we'll end more of that. us more <laughs> of us talking about The Shining again. We talk a lot about it. And we're going to talk more about it because I've seen the documentary. Rob has not seen it. We're going to check it out. We'll come back and talk, review that at some point. I think it's on Netflix. We well, find I saw it. the Stanley Kubrick daughter documentary. But... No, but this this is a two hour documentary about. Yeah, I need to see it. And it it's just comparing the book to the movie and all the imagery in the movie and all this crazy stuff. So uh, for now, signing off. This is Mike. I'm Rob. Catch you on the flip side. Yowza!